This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Mari Forth. I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. Let's open today's file. We watched The Painter and the Thief. We sure did. Um, we are not alone. We're here to discuss it. We have our first returning guest, true crime Maven, an all-round good guy, Sarah D. Bunting. Sarah, how are you? Hello. First returning guest. Mm-hmm. So honored. Mm. Thank you for having me back. Thank you for watching this film with me. I'm excited to hear what you guys thought of it. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm excited to hear what we have to say about it as well. Yes. Um, the Painter and the Thief is a documentary from Norwegian director Benjamin Ree, uh, not someone that I knew. His previous work was the 2016 documentary Magnus uh, about the child chess prodigy Magnus Carlsen, which he shot over mm. a 10-year period. Uh, I looked at the trailer for that and I thought, oh, that's got to go next on my list. So I'm very excited to, <laughs> to watch that too. But um, The Painter and the Thief, um, Sarah, you brought us this property. What, what, what? What's it all about? Um, the Painter and the Thief is about um, the painter Barbara, Barbara. Um, I'm going to mm-hmm. mangle these pronunciations still, <laughs> even though I've now watched this thing like three times. Um, mm-hmm. And the uh, guy who stole her, one of her paintings, his name is Bertil, and this strange relationship that they form in the aftermath of this theft, um, which was you know, caught on CCTV and he was apprehended fairly swiftly, I think. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the painter and the thief is about their um, emotional, uh, the journey of their emotional bond, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And it's about the making of art from uh, the stealing of art by the artist whose work was stolen. It's about um, comparing the Scandinavian prison system and um, thoughts on mm-hmm. criminalizing of drug use to our own systems. Uh, it's it's about a lot of things that true crime is just sort of like the jumping off point for. But 
I could not stop thinking about this documentary after I watched it uh, when it dropped on Hulu a couple of years ago. And I thought that you guys would be interested in it because it's um, a lot of true crime is about the, the how and the, the what. And this is about the who and the why in a way that I think is really interesting and is more attractive to me as a way into a true crime topic than just a sort of bless their hearts, but that oxygen channel, like, you know, lots of (laughs) sound effects and soft focus reenactments. Like there's a place for that, but this kind of thing that uses um, uh, like an actual crime to talk more about the true part than the crime part is really Mm -hmm. interesting. Also, I suck at drawing. I can't even draw a stick figure and just watching Barbara like drafting her work was this is an extremely soothing person. Like she should just have a Facebook live like all the time. And I would just watch it. Like um, it would be like those videos that uh, people put on for their cats when they're not home. It's just like <laughs> mice and bees and stuff that, that mm-hmm. would just be me just like, you know, be calmed by, uh, by this video of Barbora. But um, yeah, it also gets into her um, background with fleeing an, abusive intimate partner situation there's a lot going on and the director doesn't exactly help you understand when you are in the story either but i also Mm -hmm. i also liked that because it was kind of a collage of this real this strange you would never predict it relationship between this artist and the guy who like heisted one of her paintings um but d- doesn't remember or claims he doesn't remember why or really anything like what happened to the painting so yeah i was very struck by it but i could see people being uh, made impatient by it so how did you guys feel about it so for me let let me start a little bit because I think I'm one of those people. I thought it was good. <laughs> I thought it was very brilliant in the way that it was shot. I thought I I really liked the friendship, but I think I'm the type of person who um, you know, I guess left brain right brain, you know, I'm a scientist. So, right, right. My whole thought process was like stuff like who's recording them? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like I really wish they would have, cause I, I just started reading on Wikipedia a little bit about it. I wish they would have, um, of uh, talked about a little bit more of, uh, Benjamin Rees, um, his process because mm-hmm. the way that it's first presented, um, because they use, uh, Barbara's, uh, uh, video to kind of start it off. I was like, Oh, it's so, so she, doing the the filming you know like when they use that archival footage of her actually painting the paintings and Mm -hmm. and then all of that footage of the paintings going up and then we go directly into the cctv and then like it was like it was about like uh uh, near uh, like a few minutes in uh, when she starts meeting him and all this stuff i'm like wait who is holding the camera and then at first i was like oh is it okay is it her partner who's holding the camera like i kind of i kind of wish they went into the the process of the of the documentary because i didn't realize this was like a a documentary that was supposed to kind of just be about babora and then the the uh heist that then kind of expanded as it went along Mm -hmm. that makes sense 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it makes absolute sense. I, I was very intrigued to, to hear Murray speak there because I didn't know what she thought of it. Uh, uh, Murray, on the other hand, knows exactly what I thought of it because <laughs> yeah. I sent her a note app sobbing <laughs> when I got to the end of the documentary um, mm. uh, and and uh, and half apologising and half pleading, you know, please still <laughs> like me. I hope you like this. Right. I hope you still want a podcast with me. Um, <laughs> so I suppose can, I was... You can blame other Sarah right. for this. Well, <laughs> yeah, um, I was. I was slightly right. It, was, it wasn't your cup of tea, but I thought you would be intrigued by the relationship, as I as I think I, mm-hmm. I hear that you are. I think in terms of, I mean, I'm a process nerd, and and so is Sarah. But I mm-hmm. I initially had that. Oh, how's this being made? And then I gave in to. Uh, mm-hmm. what was going on a lot more in reading about it for our, for our listeners. It is fascinating. She had um, a friend had been videoing her anyway. So this is why we right. see her, the time-lapse of her painting, one of her important works called Swan Song, uh, which is the uh, one, which is the painting um, that uh, Carl does not steal. He steals the other one of the two girls mm-hmm. um and then they have uh there's some footage from the venissage of the of the exhibition which is the night before the opening kind of thing the, the sort of the special uh the special viewing for for people in the nose so it was kind of very intriguing for me to see you know who's who in oslo uh, art um world <laughs> mm-hmm. um and the director benjamin rees read about the uh, the theft in the paper and intended to make a short uh, documentary with Barbara uh, and then became very intrigued with the meeting with, um, his name is Carl Bertil Nordland. They mostly call him Bertil and he seems Bertil, to call yeah. himself that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he plays with time, he plays with space. Yes, uh, he does. It's... It's more, it's not a fever dream, but it's, I felt very carried along by it with no volition of my own uh, by mm. the end. So yeah. that's what it was for me. It was an, an experience. And certainly um, uh, for those of you who are concerned, most of it's in English. There is some Norwegian uh, with, sub, with subtitles, so you can't really two screen it. I don't think it's a film you can two screen anyway uh, because of the, of the subject matter. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. I can't wait to to watch Magnus. Um, I've seen this one twice. I can't wait to kind of wait long enough so I can see it again. It's it, it's on the very far reaches of true crime. I think. Um, and for our listeners, we better get a juicy murder, uh, which we keep <laughs> promising in the next couple of episodes. <laughs> Yeah, I think I that's where it was the part where it's like oh, now we're going to tell Bertolt's story. That I was like, okay, wait. So who was who was documenting this? Like, you know, that was that was the part when they like jumped back into time cuz that I wasn't um anticipating that. And I actually like that structure. I like the structure of we we follow the story from Bar- Barbara, you know, her point of view, then we go back and then we follow Berto, and then we see him with his like partner and all of that, and his struggles of going through um, being addicted and and all of that. And I found that very intriguing. I th- I think no matter what, um, I think the character study of it all really was you know the driving 
the point. And I did, I did like that. I, I just don't, it's just not one of those documentaries I would have probably sat down and watched if you guys hadn't suggested to me. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, and I just want to also circle back to Sarah, what you said about well, SDB, what you said about um, p- the policing system. That's something that really got me going as well. Like mm-hmm. j- again, in the first five minutes when the police are like, Oh, we caught the guys because clearly you could catch the guys, their faces were directly on those cameras because mm-hmm. they did the art heist at like 3 PM. <laughs> yeah. Just, just in the middle of the daytime, but they were like, Oh, but we didn't find your art. Uh, but we don't really care about that part. Case closed. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Th- that really made me think about like modern policing, especially over here as well. It's like we give the police all this money, but they don't prevent crime. It's it's been a proven fact that police do not prevent crime. The most they can do is try and be, be there after the crime and maybe help you after the crime. So why are we putting so much money into police when we should be putting more money into prevention, social programs so that addicts like Bertel are, are have places where they can either, if they need to, they can go and, you know, get help and stop being addicted to drugs or, you know, they can safely, you know, you know participate in drugs in a safe manner. Right. But, you know, social programs over policing would have stopped this. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it kind of felt like in a sense. Like, we really need to reevaluate where our money is going when when easy thefts like this, you know, thievery is normally because of poverty and, and because of need or, you know, need of survival or need of drugs. Like if we could stem that at the root, then we wouldn't even, you know, this wouldn't have happened. So I, I just thought that was a great point that you, you brought up and you, you take it, take it, take it away. Back. <laughs> well, it's it, it's also like uh, I mean I listen to a lot of books about um, art heists, like to go to sleep by, because mm-hmm. there is this sort of um, remove from violent crime most of the time. Not that it's yeah. victimless, obviously, but there's not mm-hmm. this violence against a person. Right. But on the other hand, you know sometimes it's funding terrorism. Blah blah blah. This is a weird overlap where. I don't think in art heists you generally see that it's because of, um, you know, food insecurity or uh, substance misuse or anything like that. It's usually Mm -hmm. like they've been contracted by there's no such thing as a mafia, whatever, but like organized crime (laughs) has been like, please take the following selections from the Gardner Museum and we will Mm -hmm. fence them to whatever, you know, access power is in play at the moment. Um, Right. And then other thefts um are motivated by those things um so this is this weird case where i think bertil says several times that he's like i just liked it i think like he had seen her paintings before he had Mm -hmm. been in the gallery before but the actual theft he's like i was high as hell and i don't remember what his motivation was and then yeah another interesting aspect of it was how cozy norwegian prison looks like they get their meals delivered he has a job in the paper shop yeah like they film him going on walks and the guards are just like shooting the breeze i didn't see any projectile weaponry he's out of snow he has a fair isle sweater on i was like we are i mean we know we're doing it wrong here in the states oh yeah oh my god 
that, and then he goes to therapy and he's like, I'm concerned about getting out. I want to start over, but I'm worried that I'll go back to old habits. And his therapist is like, good work. That's what you're supposed to be saying. Like, why? Hey, Norway, like, come over and tell us how to do it, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, well, just a couple of PowerPoints, a couple of yes. tips. <laughs> That's we all. Need, <laughs> yeah, we, we I mean, I... I have to say I'm a Danish heritage, so the Scandinavianness of of this um, this film deeply appeals to me. Like mm-hmm. the aesthetic of it. I mean, presumably he's in a minimum um, security uh, prison, but even so, the uh, the very casually uh, dressed guards that are just kind of hanging out in the mm-hmm. in the uh, yard with the the uh, the prisoners really struck me. Um, there's a there's just a moment where the guard locks Bertil into his into his room, but it's almost like he allows him to enter the room, pops his head in. Yep, you're all right for the night. So almost <laughs> kisses him good night and then locks him in. <laughs> it's it's a very uh, gentle and respectful. I mean, that's what we saw, and there was yeah. uh, Benjamin Rees was there with his camera. So you know there is yeah. a, a, right, as sure. it is observed. So it is affected. And this is the turning point apparently for the director uh, where the idea of a short documentary turned. Is uh, So what, what happens, just to wind you back a little bit, uh, Barbara goes to the trial of uh, presumably both of the thieves, but um, we only really see the Bertil side. We have her drawings from the, uh, from the courtroom, which are really extraordinary because we're used to uh, courtroom drawings, but for mm-hmm. her, she only has him and her and her companion and the judge in the drawing. So it's a very uh, mid-century modern-looking <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. very clean lines. And she, uh, at the suggestion of her friend, is recording herself. She wanted to be there, mm-hmm. and then she says that she's drawn to him, and she says, I'm going, to, I'm going to go and talk to him. I'm going to go and talk to him. And she goes and talks to him. And we have the audio of their conversation. So he comes to her. She asks to draw him, uh, which he allows. And she paints him. And then there's a moment, and this was the moment for the director where it turned from a short into a into a much longer thing and a meditation on a whole series of other things uh, where she reveals the portrait to Bertil, and the camera just observes him looking at the painting of himself and the emotion of the moment and the amount of time it takes for the first tears to arrive and into the sobbing. Barbara goes to, and this is before we know anything about her background, she goes to comfort him. He pushes her away and she really reacts, says, don't do that to me and then goes in to embrace him. It's this incredibly intriguing moment. So I think that for me, uh, for the director, I think the director wants me to think about uh, observation, who is looking, how are we looking? Because later in the documentary, Bertel says, she looks at me, but she doesn't realise I look at her. Mm-hmm. So there's this interaction between the two of them uh, and this long-lasting relationship, which does break at one point and then comes back together. Um, what 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 did you think of this moment where he sees himself in a portrait, a very large uh, photorealist uh, portrait? So this was this was a great moment. This is like you know it, it was very touching, and 
you just kind of want to be in that space of like that, like what's you want to know what's all hitting him at that moment. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, is it the surrealness of everything? Like, how did I get to this spot where like the woman whose painting I stole is now painting about me? Like I, I, to be like in his inner thoughts right there, what is just what this evoked for me, but also I just, I have to point out that when she was sketching him, his shirt said, uh, like, fat people are hard to kidnap. And I was just yes. like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. I wrote that. Too. That was just brilliant. brilliant. Uh, I'm like, this is, I, I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> he's sobbing. <laughs> yeah, at another point, he's wearing a shirt that says crime pays. Yes. He has yeah, shirts of those. Like he occasionally yeah. these t-shirts and you're just like, this is both too much and not enough. Like we're yes. a documentary about his like t-shirt <laughs> drawer. But yeah, that moment, um, that moment was where, and it's not just a moment, like it is a sequence that goes on for a while. And yeah, you're so used, I think as a, you know, consumer of documentaries generally, but particularly of true crime for the, director or the production to kind of step in at that point and like guide you towards what you're supposed to think. Mm. And mm -hmm. this director does not do that and does not like, he does not help anyone, but then um, you're sort of watching Bertil be utterly like overcome by the idea that he was worthy of this kind of artistic observation and regard um, and feeling unworthy, but also extremely grateful and just like completely overwhelmed. And then there's whatever is going on with her. And then there's the fact that this observational relationship, like we, the viewer, are now in an observational relationship with this relationship. Like there's a it's yeah. this Moebius <laughs> of Heisenberg effect. Uh, I mean, this is well above my pay grade. I just mm -hmm. have a bachelor's of creative writing. I can't really say what's going on here from a filmmaking perspective, but it was just so, first of all, unusual in this genre. And second of yeah. all, that the, the film is willing to let this, un, this discomfort sit both with them and with us. Um, I mean, I, I feel like there are a lot of true crime properties and true crime um, sort of subgenres in terms of subject that could stand to do that and just let people feel how they feel and be who they are without immediately cutting into like a talking head mm -hmm. um, psychologist or art historian that's like well what Bertil is feeling here is possibly mm -hmm. feelings of worthlessness from a childhood and the, the director finds other ways to do that is this a perfect film is this like avant-garde psychologically no and probably no but it's unusual enough and um just i just found that very uh, discomforting but also appealing for that mm -hmm. in that moment that as you're watching the you're watching like the um hurts of a lifetime be processed by this man and looking at this painting that makes him beautiful and not a trifler is really wonderful. I just thought it was fantastic. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and good, very good point. There are like no talking heads in this at all, if anything. When they do, when the director does sit down to talk about the subject's feelings, it still feels all very casual and it's mm-hmm. all in the moment. It's not, you know, you can tell they're not going back and forth and just sitting down and just t- saying their side and stuff like that. So, right. um, really great piece there. I also loved, um, after we get that reveal and after they start becoming friends, we get Barbara telling us um, Bertil's life story. Like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, he grew up and his mom took his brother and sister. Like, we get his breakdown with her telling it. And then we're also seeing like um, his like baby pictures, picture of him growing up. She's like, oh, you know, all the stuff like he, he likes to do. And then again, when we're taken aback by what, well, when I was taken aback by how we, we go back and we get his side, they strategically have him after you said that, that quote that he said, like when she's looking at me, I, I'm seeing her, mm-hmm. he tells her backstory and it's through him and, and him telling her backstory that we find out about her abusive ex and mm-hmm. how her current partner who's there with her, Oystein. Uh, basically rescued her from her abusive ex and I thought that was very powerfully done getting the backstories of the other character you know being told by the other person that was really cool yeah and I mean this is this is great because we follow we've followed uh, it the, the story from Barbara's point of view mm-hmm. uh, and then we switch to him as you say telling about her but then also we go back to that very peaceful moment when she's first sketching him on the sofa, though I think it's about their third or fourth meeting. He didn't want the cameras there for the earlier meetings, but it feels like a very early time and he's very, Mm -hmm. very relaxed. And we hear his side of the story, which was that he was immediately suspicious of her. What did she want from him? What was Mm -hmm. the angle? What was Mm -hmm. And it's all that um, petty criminal, um, you know, junkie thinking if I may say so I've known junkies and the self-pity of the junkie was very very uh, present for him at times uh, it must be said that he goes through extraordinary change that we see um, as far as that goes um, 
So, yes, I liked them telling each other's stories. He then brings his girlfriend to be sketched and it's worth kind of stopping down into the composition of this painting, what will become the final painting that we see at the end. Uh, He's lying on the sofa bare-chested and she's in um, underwear lying on top of him. And it's a very beautiful, graceful, powerful uncomfortable like they're not uncomfortable but our regard is uncomfortable it has the the sort of the passivity that we see in classical paintings and because we know her style by now we can sort of start to imagine what the painting will be she positions the girlfriend's face for the light she changes where her hand is because her hand says has a more tattooed on the back she's very tattooed and he's very tattooed she has a more on the back of her hand and and uh, barbara wants to see that um and again, there's the the camera just watches this happen. We watch it happen, and it's uncomfortable. Sort of the wrong word, but it is. It's like you're intruding. I don't know why. Yes. Yeah, exactly. it's like yeah, you're intruding. Exactly. You're you're there in a conversation that these two people are having. That you're like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be here. That, but also, Bar- what... Barbara's intruding. You know, the yeah, artist yeah. is intruding yeah, sure. in, in yeah. a way. You're absolutely right. I think there's this this layer of this couple, uh, you know, sensually intimate, not sexually, but sensually intimate. They're lying pretty barely on each other. Barbara's watching it and sketching it. The camera's watching them, but then we're watching them. So there's yeah. – yeah. and I, I have to say I, I had um, – a sort of underlying feeling of dread through some of it because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if Bertil was going to turn. I worried about Barbara's safety, as does uh, her partner, Oyston, worries mm-hmm. about her safety. Um, what did you What did you think about those feelings of, of um, dreads too strong, but those feelings of, of, of disquiet about, about how, the, how the documentary would, uh, would continue, Sarah? The first time I watched it, I really felt like, um, I mean, I also had that apprehension, um, mostly for, for him. Like I just, I just felt certain given what we had seen, um, through the first, you know, half or two thirds of the documentary, like, um, surely Bertil was doomed. Mm, um, yeah, but which I mean, you know, maybe that could happen after the events of the documentary and, you know, like life is long, as they say. But um, I think that this film also sort of invites the viewer into these um, intimate, sensual moments and into these emotional moments because it's trying to have a conversation amongst the principals in the film, but also the viewer about what it means to be seen and what it what it means to watch things and observe things and how that affects those things so i think our presence is a measure of safety for everyone i didn't feel mm. particularly apprehensive for um barbara uh like physically um mm-hmm. i did feel as her partner did like perhaps emos- emotionally this was territory that she shouldn't be returning to unaware of what she was doing there but i also i also felt like this is a this is a person who is aware of her own um compulsions and is fairly healthy about them 
On the other hand, um, a European accent does tend to convey a certain competence and aptitude to me that it probably is a mistake to infer. But I th- I thought that was a I thought that was something the documentary was trying to do was um, just throw us a little off balance in terms of well we don't know what's going to happen we don't right. know how this story is going to end um, and you know a little a little suspense and tension is a good thing but in the case of these two people of whom I think you're supposed to grow rather familiarly fond by a certain point. That feeling that like we were going to get a Chiron about Bertil's demise was like, oh, please don't do this to me. I feel like I know these people and would like to invite them to, mm-hmm. you know, have a have a glass of red wine and cold call galleries from my house, which was a, a wonderful scene with her doing that with box wine, I thought. So, yeah, it's I think that sometimes it can be a little clumsy in the ways that it tries to create um, suspense that it can read a little bit more as confusion and Mm. just like a lack of clarity. But I think the intent is always there to to try to say something about, especially in something that is going to be classified as true crime by the algorithm like there are gazillion versions of the truth and then there's what actually happened which is not really ours to know from the from the um, viewer standpoint so i thought it was very effective Mm, yeah Um, look i I wasn't i wasn't i wasn't uh, concerned about feeling that disquiet but i certainly felt it murray what did you think about the scene with the marriage guidance counselor i mean extraordinary that we're that we're allowed in that benjamin's allowed in and we're allowed uh in um where oyston is able to say that he's concerned for her Mm -hmm. and she is saying that she will let her child play in the middle of the road what what, what did (laughs) how did you find those scenes yeah, that's again. I was like, should we be here? <laughs> like, yeah, was, yeah. Just totally. like when he was in the jail, I was like, are we in the jail? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, this this was a great. I, I'm glad that they included this, even though it felt intrusive, because Oystein, I, I get his concerns. Like, your partner mm-hmm. is now all consumed with this story, with this thief, with her paintings. You know, we get we later get um, her telling him like her studio is on the hook for three months worth of rent. And I'm just like, how did how did that happen? You know, mm. um, but I thought this was a, a great little vehicle for Oystein to be like to to air his grievances and for them to work through it, and then to also show uh, Barbara's um, her dark humor when she was talking about the playing in the street with the traffic. And it also kind of made it kind of dinged me in a sense, like her dark humor really does match um, Bertil's dark humor as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I thought this was I thought this was a great addition because, I, you know, at some point I was thinking the kind of the same thing. You know, I was always saying, I was like, why is this? Why? Why are we letting this man so far in? You know, which is it's fine. It's it's okay. But you you if you if you don't at least question it a little bit, I feel like, you know, mm. you, you'd be a little too naive here. You know, like yeah, yeah, that was my yeah. 
Yeah, he's and very Scandinavian sense. and balanced about the whole thing. <laughs> like he's not he's not jealous of of Bertil as a man. He's concerned right. for his partner, and he he knows she's an artist, and mm-hmm. he knows what her fascination with this man is. Um, but yes, if we move on and our concern for Bertil, we nearly did get the Chiron saying, you know, he was no longer with us in that his uh, girlfriend has obviously um, uh, laid down the law to him and said, you have to go to rehab or we're over. Um, the camera follows them to the doorstep of, of the rehab. I mean, the access is, is quite something. Mm. Uh, he has bought drugs on the way to mm-hmm. rehab. Which uh, that happens a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. It does. Uh, and she said she is saying to him to go in. He's begging her to give him the drugs back. She's. I mean, it's a very tough scene to watch. And she finally walks away. She says, "You either go in or or you don't go in." And that's the end for me. And he doesn't go in. He goes to Barbara's house. This is a matching scene. We had seen him arrive. Uh, earlier in the Barbara um, timeline, and right. because of the hat he's wearing that says "dust," uh, we match uh, what what happened in his timeline. And unfortunately, he goes and uh, steals a car. He tells her he's going to go to the forest and sort of do his own rehab, his own way. Mm-hmm. But in fact, he steals a car and smashes himself up uh, extremely badly and is in hospital. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, this is this is the part. I think this is like, for me, the turning point of the documentary where I was like a, a little bit more invested because I was like, oh, wow. You know, when unexpected things happen during filming of documentaries, this very much gave me flashbacks of like Icarus with how it's shot and how it, you, you know, mm-hmm. the story is being told and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I was definitely tuned in. I was like, I cannot believe, you know, they, they did this and he's like in a coma. He's like in a coma. And, you know, and this is when I was like, man, I hope he makes it out. And, um, this was also when it was a little weird when, um, he does wake up and, and Barbara is talking about his, the stitch on his hand, like his, the, the wound on his hand and she becomes fixated on the wound on his hand and comparing it to stigmata. And she takes it back and starts drawing. And this is when Oystein's, um, her partners, uh, his, his, uh, he started questioning it. Like, girl, are you not like, <laughs> that's a little weird. You're obsessed with his hand wounds because when she would, talking to him and telling talking to him in the hospital about it i was i was again i think i'm oystein in this i think that's a, i think that's the character i'm i'm uh relating to the most because when she's like oh look at that oh can i take a picture and she just kept coming back to us like this is uncomfortable and 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 he called it everybody called it problematic and i was like yes <laughs> I, I am you you are me but um yeah this was the part of the documentary where i really felt like uh, it, 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 it shifted. It started, it started to shift, you know, just from the, cause at the beginning I was like, okay, it felt like that was just the short documentary. Like, okay, they, she met the guy, like it's, you know, and then mm-hmm. this extension uh, of it. And, um, I, I liked that. I, I like that part. <laughs> what did you, what did you think, SDB? Um, I, I mean, the, 
by this time that that she would be preoccupied with this um, wound on his hand being like a stigmata is like not a surprise. Um, <laughs> but there's also, to me at least, I think that there's a comment that it's trying to make about the fact that her partner, um, who you know I think is great and has her best interests in mind, but there's there are all these male figures um in the present and in the past and in various timelines in this documentary uh that are trying to exert power over her to various degrees and then she is always the one who ends up being able to exert power with her art mm-hmm. um so uh, and that i think is also uh a comment from the documentary on itself and the power of storytelling, like not to keep getting ridiculously meta and vague here, but um, that was very striking to me that there's this attraction to Bertil that is not, I think sexual or or emotional attraction, but almost um, I don't like situational, Mm -hmm. like a situational bond. And then muse, like he's right. But yeah, but then it's like, dark accidental muse and then the dark Mm -hmm. accidental part gets literally accidental and extremely dark and he has a pelvis that is like more metal than bone after it's all said and done like these screws are insane um that they put to hold his body together and Mm -hmm. uh then her partner like he's not being condescending or controlling but the narrative in this movie is always that he rescued her and that they fled together and uh, that she is always kind of re recasting whatever we're seeing in the paintings and that she has this, this power that they don't in that regard. Because if you go back to that intimate moment with Bertil and his girlfriend, what we see her taking pictures of versus the painting that comes out of it. Mm. It's not quite the same. And there's a very different darkness in the finished product in which the girlfriend is almost like this spider or mantis creature, like the way that it's angled, she is crawling over him while he is recumbent. And there's some, like breath stealing about to happen. Maybe this, maybe I need to go to, um, there are couples therapists. Yes. Yes. I have problems here, but just the way that Barbara is able to retell whatever story everyone else is trying to tell about her mm-hmm. on the canvas is also extremely cool to me because, as I said, I'm everyone's dead last pick for Pictionary. I can't even draw mm-hmm. a stick figure. They don't have heads. So the ability <laughs> to do this, um, visually is uh, um, extremely cool and fascinating to watch. And especially in this context where the, this whole documentary is sort of her trying to take control of this story of this theft of her art. And then she always manages to become, to, to have primacy in the story. So mm. yeah, especially absolutely. when I so mean, much true crime is about women being victimized. It's like, mm-hmm. She's not trying to hear that literally, and it's great. So we we see her working throughout. She's drawing. She's painting. Uh, we we see a lot of examples of of her work. I mean, I like it very much. But interestingly, in the um, 
cold calling galleries <laughs> section, uh, one woman very kindly says to her, we're a, we're a commercial gallery. And mm. what's meant by that for, for people, like, I'm sorry if I'm teaching my grandmother to suck eggs, but those who don't mm. really know fi- the fine art world, commercial <laughs> gallery means we sell work. We like work that sells. Mm. Um, and it's, and her work is, is, extraordinary but it's also disturbing it's also very large work and mm-hmm. people uh, who are buying something for their house um have have a have a, a fear of of buying a work that's two meters by two meters uh what mm. they don't realize is even if you put that in a in a small apartment there's believe me there's room for it uh go and buy uh, um original artworks from from local artists everybody but um mm-hmm. yeah so this woman says to her very very kindly um we're a commercial gallery, uh, and uh, so they 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 are not going to take her on. She's behind on her rent, as Murray said. Uh, she has to call Oyston and confess that mm. uh, she's behind on the rent uh, by fifteen thousand uh, krona, which is around about uh, one thousand five hundred US dollars, mm. um, which is not a, a huge amount. But if you're an artist struggling to sell your work, it's like where. Where at one point she op- she opens a bill and she goes, well, where am I going? Yes, to get and where will that? this come from? <laughs> where yeah. will this come from? So going back to the original theft um, of the two paintings, the two paintings we learned from a news uh, report were worth about twenty thousand euros, uh, which mm-hmm. is around about the same in US dollars, uh, a little more, twenty one thousand or so. And the true crime droplet that we're given right at the beginning is that. Uh, often if you want to steal art fast, again, here we are, Art Thievery 101, if you want mm-hmm. to steal art fast, you get a box cutter and you cut the painting out of the frame. But mm-hmm. if you want to re- retain the beauty of the work, you undo the staples or the nails that are keeping, that are stretching the canvas onto the frame. And these thieves, these two junkies in a blackout, <laughs> removed 200 nails. They did not cut the works. They mm-hmm. remove the nails. And so you think, oh, there's going to be something about that. There's going to, that is never solved. And I sort of love that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, the, I think it, it just comes down to Bertolt being like an amateur carpenter. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? Even, and, you know, depending on and what also tweaking. they were on. Yeah. That's what I was about yeah. to say. Oh. Just being giving him like very focus. detailed. I yeah. will cut yeah. the time of that job down. I yes. hear. Yeah, I watched Breaking I Bad. I I know. Yes, yes, we know. So right. so after after the accident, and then he he recovers, and then he goes to jail for stealing the car and for driving, you know, dangerously. And uh, he comes out. He wants to have a girlfriend. Uh, we now see him uh, much less gaunt, uh, looking more like a Viking than a junkie with yeah. his new girlfriend. And we and understand new beard, that new beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we understand that that Barbara has not been has not been available, has not been returning his calls, yeah. and this is really intriguing. It's like, I don't want to be an amateur psychologist, but when he is well, mm-hmm. he is less interesting to her, and that's not a judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do come together, and she now tells the story of it's, it's sort of uh, to do with what you were saying, Sarah, about her agency. It's like, oh, you weren't the only thief that I had a relationship with, she mm-hmm. tracks down the other thief, uh, the thief who took, because the story is, according, according to to Bertil, 
they just got together, did this robbery, and never saw each other again. And he has right. no idea what happened to the paintings. She she tracks down Michael. He tells her that he gave the painting to you know a an underworld figure. He tells her the name of someone else, a friend of his who happens to live in this apartment building. This friend lets her and the camera crew into the storage cages uh, in the uh, basement of the apartment building. And Barbara is looking intently into the storage cages and she sees Swan Song, which is a very important work of hers, which was the the other work that was stolen. And she gets it. Uh, it's rolled uh, with the back of the canvas towards uh, us and towards Barbara, but she recognises it straight away. It's something about the dimension, the size, the way it's wrapped uh, because she saw them stealing it and it's wrapped in exactly the same way. No one's ever opened it or used it or done anything with it. They yeah, it wasn't it. touched. Yeah. It wasn't touched and she like opens it out three on the years? floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three it's, years? Uh, time is very, yeah, I'm going well, to say yes, I don't know. Time mm-hmm. is very slippery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe she, five. Let me see. Keep going. She, Sorry. <laughs> she, that's okay. She tells she tells Bertil this story, and we see her, we and and the director, the camera, and all of us see her telling Bertil the story of the reverse heist. Uh, she says she didn't want to tell him because she didn't want him to be upset. We're not quite sure what she quite means by that. Right. And then he makes her stretcher for her, and he nails. He helps her stretch and secure the painting back onto a frame. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yes, it's metaphoric and, and dramatic and theatrical, but it's also very right in terms of what we've seen up till now what did you think of this ending scene here sarah um i thought that this this movie as much as i love it um and have been recommending it near constantly for like two years um Mm. i thought that it did lose a little bit of tone at the end because i think that at that point it is important to know when you are in the story um but uh. that ending scene was still very satisfying, even if it, you know, you could say that it was a bit neat or a bit cheap. Um, but I like neat things and I like cheap things as you may have read in the men's room. So I, <laughs> I found it satisfying and you could tell that the participants also found it satisfying. It didn't feel unearned to me. Um, and the fact that she had been unreachable to 
Bertil, and that wasn't really here again. Explained. I think a mm-hmm. lot of other documentaries would have been like, you know, here's a Chiron explaining it. Here's, um, you know, Barbora's friend Sven saying mm-hmm. what he thinks was going on. Like it just is. And yeah, you're not it, sure when you are and friendships are weird like that and like sine waves sometimes and you're just not told anything else because you don't like that maybe there is nothing to tell. That was one of my I, favorite things about this documentary that if it doesn't mm-hmm. know the answer, it doesn't try to force one on you. Um, but that ending scene, you can make the argument that it's cheap, um, but I will not make that argument. I found it lovely. and. Um, you know, there's not like closure doesn't exist, but, and this movie knows that, but um, this was a nice place to stop. This was a nice place to leave them and their relationship and this painting. So, yeah. So, even that, if the, the, but what did we think of the heist? That's my question. When, um when she stopped answering the phone, that was when my feeling of like kind of dread had, really amped up i'm like did something happen to barbara like you know what i'm saying like did, yeah. did something happen to her and so her reverse heist was really great but again but i was also very like girl don't <laughs> like you know they said don't go there by yourself don't you know be careful and and she was like ah, i'm gonna go and i was just like mm-hmm. ah, yeah. <laughs> like, like you are know? you why are oh is yeah. this and how I mean, it's like impossibly long odds that this would happen. Yes, exactly. By that time, you kind of have faith in this documentary that it's like, even if they set all this up, I kind of don't care because now everybody's happy. I I don't know. It's a it's a funny it's a funny thing, this movie. Yeah. And so for me, my feeling of the ending was like they they recovered the painting. She then has like she's going to have an art gallery show somewhere. So they start. She she he. After he helps her re-canvas Swan Song, um, they they start going in the art gallery. They place all her rest of her paintings, but they they she places Swan Song, and then she kind of places her her all of her her art of, about Bertil like kind of around it. And mm-hmm. he said that he just feels so touched that he tied she tied him to her most like I don't know if famous painting is the, the word for it, but her her most senior painting um Mm. and the the credits rolling over the reveal of the painting that was supposed to be a Bertil and his girlfriend and the reveal being that it's Bertil but it's her on top of him Mm -hmm. was I was like shook I was like oh (laughs) like (laughs) I was definitely I was definitely shook I was like oh my gosh so she used the girl for a reference and I actually was like you know I I thought of it like that's actually really good because I was thinking when they were hanging it before we got to see like it in its full glory I was like I wonder how he feels about a painting of him and his ex-girlfriend that you know it led to a lot of tumultuousness would be okay with it being in the gallery and then it revealed that it was her her and I was wondering like was it her all along or you know did we go back and we <laughs> Just, it? I, I think I, I think her intention was to paint them and mm. then it became it became her whether whether it's uh, whether it was in the 
painting or before she started painting it. And this is one of the paintings that we only see her doing close up. So we see her her painting the the back of the sofa and various things like that. So there's no reveal that it's her until the end. This is where I started uh, sobbing. And I also thought, oh, that's why she hasn't contacted him. Not that she has what she needed and doesn't need to talk to him. It's not that. I think she was consumed in the relationship with the painting and what she was doing. That's just my my idea about why she she probably wasn't speaking to any of her friends. It's just significant mm. to yeah. us in this film because it's him and because we're invested in um in uh, their relationship. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. So um I think is, is, any last thoughts about the painter and the thief before we move on to our recommendations? And of course, our review. Mm-hmm. Nope, we're all good. No, we're good. Okay, so SDB, uh, as, as the person who brought us this <laughs> this property, what would you rate this uh, uh, out of five magnifying glasses? One being, you know, eh, five being you would highly recommend it. What would you rate uh, the painter and the thief? Um, I'm going to give it the full five. It has its flaws, but um, it's not gory and mm-hmm. it's really thought provoking. I think it's good for um, people who don't consume a lot of true crime, but I think it's just as good for people who consume a ton of true crime and want mm-hmm. something that's a little bit different in terms of the wheels that it makes turn for mm-hmm. you as a viewer. So Definitely five magnifying glasses from me. Okay. So, Sarah, what would you rate this out of five magnifying glasses? I feel like my my personal rating is five. I absolutely loved it. I, I, I was very affected by it. I've been thinking about it ever since. Uh, I'm wondering if as a reviewer I should give it four and a half because it isn't perfect. But then I think I need to go with my response to it. It was perfect while I was watching it. So I'm going to give it uh, at the full five. What about you, Mari? Um, so I am going to give it, <laughs> I am going to speak for the, the person who would, uh, this was too highbrow. This went over my head type thing, you know. Um, I'm going to give it two magnifying glasses, not as a property itself, but as kind of attached to my recommendations. So, mm-hmm. like, I personally don't mind talking heads. I don't mind being spoon fed for a documentary, <laughs> to be quite honest. I, 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 because maybe it's because I'm the type of person my analytical brain will just focus on a small minutia detail until I get an answer for it. So if I don't sure. get an answer for it, it's kind of getting in the way. Um, and I, I find, found that happened to me a few times along the way of this documentary. So I'm going to give it a two for those of our listeners who are into that hardcore true crime, who, you know, who want just the crime, you want the nitty gritty, you know, you want um, some exploration of it. This isn't for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, right. I, w- I would probably say that, that that this isn't for you. And that's not that's not a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I still enjoyed the property. I like the property. I, I, I liked the way it was shot. I liked the uh, dynamics of the character and stuff like that. But I'm not going to go back and rewatch it like you guys have or you guys right. are willing to. It just did not connect with me as deeply as it connected with you guys. And I mean, that's that's fine. You know, that's, that's yeah, I think my is. recommendation is more qualified 
actually like this isn't gonna be for everyone and that that is fine like i adored it but i also adore black licorice jelly beans <laughs> so if you hate exactly. those pass me y'alls but you know this isn't this is going to be a little bit meta and not as traditional and a lot of true crime fans are attracted to that traditional structure and to yeah. have like a cop with his like badge on <laughs> typing with yes. the roll and like I, I like the typing that, yeah <laughs> they all, they're all very good typists according to I mean lest we Discovery. forget what you what you brought us the first time you know <laughs> unsolved mysteries so I mean, um, look yeah, at, like yeah. there is a place for all of it in uh, in the viewership constellation. The, exactly. So yeah, this isn't going to be this isn't going to be for everyone. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Look, uh, Marianne, I, like- I really I really appreciate your your two magnifying glasses. It's mm-hmm. it was why I rang you, kind of frightened and sobbing, uh, to leave you a little uh, memo. Um, I'm very grateful that there that there that we that we have great guests and that we can all um, have differing opinions. And I think you're absolutely right to to not warn people away from it but you know if if you're if you like your your how did they do it answered if you want Mm -hmm. to know where the painting that Bertil stole is uh you will not like this movie yeah yeah exactly and and I also just want to say like like my husband walked in and he's like I thought this was a documentary. I'm like, it is. He's like, oh, it looked like a movie. Like, it, it that's how sh- well shot it was. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I, again, I don't want that to reflect on kind of the property itself. I'm just saying, like, if I'm, as from my type of consum- consumption and what maybe some of our listeners' type of consumption, it is very like a story being told. You know, it, it is, it's not just a documentary. It is a fluid story being told. There's, it's storytelling being weaved. And if you're not feeling storytelling, right that day and you just kind of want <laughs> <laughs> you know the nitty gritty that's not what you're you're gonna gonna like here so yeah I, I love this I love all this and I'm actually glad I watched it like I said I wouldn't have this would have been nowhere near my radar if mm-hmm. you hadn't hadn't brought it so I am not <laughs> it's not like an inventing Anna where I'm like wishing my I got my time back you know <laughs> that, Ooh, that, yeah that's a whole other discussion but yeah I agree. yeah, yeah. So, I mean we were planning to cover that that was like uh, no no I mean <laughs> I look, couldn't get through it yeah that's what I said I couldn't either I stopped yeah. I was like I can't even give you even more of my time Sarah yeah. I mean, powered through though <laughs> I powered through because I wanted to be able to uh fully say all the things and reasons why it was bad and I felt I could only do that if I had actually watched the whole thing but my god uh, I mean we don't we, we're not always going to bring you you five magnifying glass uh, properties um, because we we want to like what are people watching and also yeah. you know we're going to have differing opinions um, we've had twos before we've had two and a half fives with people so we've had quite a range uh, even in the short time that we've been podcasting so I really like I really like that part of it so yeah. uh, SDB, what are your recommendations uh, for this or generally? Oh, like generally. generally. So anything yeah. like you would recommend, like even in the same style of the the art heist or the art gallery, maybe something, maybe a podcast or a book. You said you like gotcha. art, uh, art heist books. Um, I have been listening to a book 
Hold on, I have to get the actual name of it because it's right <laughs> on my article. While, while she does that, I will recommend uh, Sarah's uh, newsletter, um, Best Evidence, uh, which Thank she you. makes with uh, Eve Beatty. So it, all the recommendations are there and uh, wonderful, short, pithy reviews, and you will start to know uh, what to watch and what to listen to and what to read from that, and I really recommend that that pops into your, your inbox uh, every Week, every day, every couple uh, every weekday, week every weekday. Week yes, oh, yes. Nice. Um, I will recommend. I mean, with caveats, it's a book called "Stealing the Show," which is by John Borelli with Zachary Shizgal. I'm listening to it actually, and the reader of this book, which is basically um, the former director of security for the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Who's like, okay. uh, you know, a history of my time at the Met in six heists, which is a fantastic wow. framework. It's not exactly what he ends up doing. There's a lot of name dropping and there's a chapter where like, look, I liked Princess Diana a lot, too. But unless she stole some shit, can you get back to the part? Where yeah, <laughs> some shit? Anyway, um, when he's talking she, about- she stole our hearts, Sarah. She stole our hearts. <laughs> she, she did. And apparently this guy's too, because man, mm-hmm. you can't stop talking about how pretty she is. Like guy, <laughs> your editor needed to stop you with that. Um, but it's still, uh, it's still a pleasant listen, like for your commute or at bedtime, um, because it's about art. There's a lot of processy security stuff. Um, some heists are solved, some never are. Um, mm. but it's, I mean, it's really interesting and especially going back into like the late 20th century and how different security concerns were, uh, at that time and thefts from the middle of the 20th century. Uh, it's, it's a good listen and it's not too long of a commitment. I think it's like six hours that's available wherever audiobooks are. Uh, so yeah, stealing the show by John Borelli. Okay, great. Right. So for me, my recommendation is uh Made You Look um on 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 Netflix, Made You Look a True Story About Fake Art. So mm-hmm. if you are That's like me and you want to be spoon-fed, <laughs> especially about art, this mm-hmm. was it. I I really like Made You Look. Um it's talking about uh how how I can't even pronounce the name of the the place like Konefelds, Kohn, Kohn, okay. Anyways, it's about how Anne Friedman, uh, a an art dealer, basically, I what I love about it is it's like was she duped or was she in on the con? Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, basically, a pair of a couple who knew a forger would would uh, sell her forged paintings from like like really famous artists Jackson Pollock, uh, the the Rothkos. Um, and she would then b- buy those fake paintings, get them authenticated? Question mark. Uh huh. <laughs> sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. air quotes. And then she would sell them to collectors or museums. And how this went on for what, like t- ten years, twenty years, or something to that effect, and um, may have caused about eighty million dollars worth of like fake art to be like transactionalized in the Mm -hmm. art world and it was it was really good and it's a lot of you get to talk to the people who you know conducted the 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 con it's like a con um it it has all the that feeling of like a a, a shisty con artist but is is she the con is is the other lady the con um i really liked it i i truly did i and and it made me understand 
like uh art the art world more it 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 described yeah. like the difference of sellings with with arts and collectors and stuff like that so um if you want something that it's still in the art world but definitely handhold you <laughs> that's it yeah that's mm-hmm. definitely a more traditional approach but i'd love yes. that one too and oh my god oh, yeah we'll pay for art is just yes you never stop yep. being Ridiculous. shocked yeah 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 no that i really like that one uh, as well i i went uh, i went along my sort of scandy adjacent uh i'm recommending out of thin air which is a 2017 icelandic uh documentary it uh, c- combines the Scandinavianness of uh, not the Iceland's part of Scandinavia, but you understand <laughs> what I mean, Nordic uh, of today with the wrongful conviction of last week. It's again, it's um, subtitled, so you have to have the brain space. I don't always have the brain space to um, listen. I'm not sitting around watching subtitled things, but when you have the brain space, it's a really well-made, uh, thoughtful. It takes its time, as we're sort of understanding in these cold, cold Nordic winters. Uh, but it's a very famous uh, Icelandic case of uh, murder. There you go. There's some murder. Uh, two men who were murdered and uh, six people who were wrongfully convicted of their murder. And it's uh, it's fascinating. That's available on Netflix as well. When you have, um, you know, when you have a, a bit of time and you're and you're ready to uh, put on a jumper. And just be to be taken along <laughs> with this uh, very strange story. Um, yes. So at Crime Scene, we're eager to hear your feedback as always. We'd like suggestions for future episodes. Uh, last episode came from a listener suggestion. Uh, you can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP. That's S E E N, or email us at Crime Scene RHAP at gmail dot com. Again, that's S E E N. Um, now, Sarah, I believe you have a special offer for our listeners. Do you want to tell us about that and also what you have going on and where people can find you? Uh, I'd love to, um, as long as Twitter is still extant and not um, mm-hmm. lost too badly. Uh, yeah. You can find the Best Evidence newsletter on Twitter at Best Evidence FYI. You can find my all true crime bookshop online mostly secondhand material some new titles i take requests i do searches whatever you need i'm here for you that's called exhibit b books and i'm on twitter at exhibit b books and you find crime scene listeners get your own discount code 15 percent off with the code xcs15 that's x is an x-ray c is in crime s is in scene one five We'll We'll put all that in the show notes. Thanks. That's very generous. Um, Mari, what about you? What have you got going on and where can people find you? So you can um, always find me um, on Twitter at Mari Talks Too Much. That's too like the number two. At this point, I am still talking to Chappelle and Latanya about uh, Atlanta season three and all the curvy twists and turns of the the latest season. And um, me and Matt will be back soon. So um, the wrestling wrap up will be back. So just uh, go follow me on Twitter to know when I'm dropping all of my episodes. 
Wonderful. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carradine, and there I will put everything that I'm doing. I've uh, finished up uh, Bridgerton with the Dark Walk on post-show recaps. So if you're still watching that or you want to hear our chatter about that, please go there. Uh, and I did do – I talked about Survivor, the thing that I say I never want to talk about <laughs> on podcast uh, because I'm such a filthy casual. I can't even remember who won last uh, season. Don't at right. me. I do, I do actually remember. Um, but over on Silent Podcasts, I talked about uh, last week's uh, episode, if you want to hear me bang on about that. Uh, so now, Mari, next week, what do we have? Yeah, so uh, next time on Crime Scene, we are covering Our Father with a guest, Jason Reed. So, so glad to have Jason on with us. We'll be talking about the Netflix documentary, Our Father, that drops May 11th. And it centers on the actions of Donald Klein, a once-revered fertility doctor who was discovered to have inseminated over 50 women with his own so uh watch that on netflix and send us your your comments your questions all that good stuff fantastic so mm-hmm. thanks to will from america for the theme music and scott st pierre behind the scenes until next time case closed case closed Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.